0: Hello and welcome to Your Best Self podcast, my name is Heather, I am a mum, I am a shift worker, I am also an online coach and this podcast is here to help you navigate the craziness of life without forgetting about you. I want to show you how you fit in and how you can feel your best at work and at home, not just for yourself but for everybody around you. So if you resonate with any of this, then this podcast is for you. It's going to be jam-packed with practical tips and advice that you can action today for results. If you enjoy this, please like, subscribe, rate and send it on to a friend or even better, into a WhatsApp group chat. This is going to help me help as many women as possible feel their absolute best selves. So I hope you enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of your best of podcast. (laughs) It's a bit of a stuttery start, I wasn't sure what was happening there. Um, So you've probably guessed by the title of the podcast that we are speaking all about the menstrual cycle. Now I do have to apologise because this was a client request that was requested a couple of weeks ago and I'm just getting around to recording it, but I really wanted to do it justice um, and I've done a little bit of research, I've been doing some reading into like, um, how the, your menstrual cycle can impact you, so how, uh, how it impacts your weight, how it can impact your nutrition, your workouts, performance, etc, etc, um, and the can, of uh, um, main thing here is, like, you, how it impacts you, okay, because everybody's going to be different, so one of the most important things I am going to tell you just now, and continue to tell you throughout this podcast, is you need to start tracking your own menstrual cycle, um if you don't already all right because you, it's really important for you to know your symptoms to get to know your body um and start to kind of feel empowered and advocate for yourself um because everybody's cycle is going to be different no cycle is going to be the same like even your own cycle is going to vary from month to month and um, especially when you start making changes to your lifestyle so the cycle of an egg is about three months excuse me so, if you start making, like, kind of lifestyle changes, improvements to your health, you might actually see your cycle start to change or your symptoms start to change um, in a couple of months down the line, all right? But until you start tracking your, your cycle consistently, you're not going to know. There is various different ways that you can track your cycle, all right? You can do it with, like, an old-fashioned, like, diary, if, if you still use that. You can track it on, like, Apple Health. I use Clue i really like you clue it's a free app and you can track all your symptoms throughout the month okay so if you maybe bloat when you're ovulating like maybe you start tracking um like bloating and then that starts to you start to see like over a couple months you start to see some consistencies you start to see like some some triggers so and clue the, the longer you track for which I'm, I'm assuming it'll be for like most tracking apps like the longer you track for it actually starts to show your cycle it starts to, to predict when your next period is going to be it starts to tell, tell you your cycle length um and then it can get to grips from that like when you're going to be ovulating so you can start to kind of feel really empowered by your period by your symptoms rationalize these symptoms that you're experiencing um and make decisions based off that okay, based off of you and what is impacting you, alright, so please, 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 if you're not already, start tracking your symptoms, tracking your menstrual cycle, if you are on the contraceptive pill and you don't get a cycle, you can still track symptoms because you might still be getting some symptoms, it is really important um, to to track these, alright, the reason that I really wanted to do this podcast justice and do a lot of research into it is because Instagram and social like social media like the internet influencers there's a lot of misinformation out there okay a lot of people are telling you to push at certain points in your cycle okay hustle grind harder train really hard at, at certain points and then for like one week you rest and you relax and you um like you go a little bit slower maybe you just do yoga for that one week um and then there's other people saying like you must only eat fats at certain points of your cycle. Then only carbs. Like, what I'm hoping this podcast is going to do is debunk a lot of this with evidence-based advice for you, okay? So you can start feeling empowered by your own cycle and making the changes that are going to fit with you. And what I'm also going to hopefully do is simplify things down for you, okay? You don't have to overcomplicate, like this okay just because there's certain people or or influencers telling you to do one thing doesn't mean to say you need to do it because it may not impact you at all okay let's kind of start with like a basic overview of your menstrual cycle all right so there are like two main phases all right so I'm just going to go over like the the kind of main phases and the main kind of hormones that are involved in these all right so You'll have like your follicular phase, which is usually from like day one to day 14, if you are talking about like a 28 day cycle, but that is the average cycle, okay, but some people can... um it can last anywhere between like maybe 24 to like 38 days, sometimes more than that as well. So again, it just depends on you, okay? But if we're going from a 28-day cycle, your follicular phase is usually between day one to day 14, okay? um, And estrogen is the dominant uh, hormone during this phase. And that is because when your um egg releases um, in the ovary, um, or when it prepares to release for ovulation, the egg or the follicle, it produces produces oestrogen as it grows. So just before ovulation happens so just before the egg is released, oestrogen um, is going to peak, egg is released and then that is like the kind of end of the follicular phase. And then you go into your luteal phase which as if you're again talking about 28 day cycle it is from day 14 to day 28 and in this phase progesterone is um, dominant so the egg is released um, after ovulation and it turns into something called a corpus luteum um, and then it's this that makes like the hormones a uh, progesterone and estrogen to support pregnancy okay so if pregnancy doesn't happen then that corpus luteum is going to break down um and then that is going to cause your um like hormonal changes and it's going to cause like premenstrual symptoms so things like your mood changes headaches acne bloating breast tenderness etc cetera, etc cetera. everyone's going to have um, like different symptoms okay so the changes across your cycle the changes in your hormones These are all going to have like an impact on energy levels, on your moods, on your cravings, like nutritional choices, your performance, your skin, your hair, digestion, body image, just to name a few. Okay, so let's kind of take like a little deep dive into what might happen. And the emphasis here is on might, okay, because you might not notice any changes at all, all right? Or you might only experience a couple, or if you are like one of the poor souls out there that actually gets, that is going to, experience all of these um like you have to kind of get really in tune with your own cycle okay so what I'm going to start with is like the impacts that these hormonal changes um across like the your flicker phase and your luteal phase what they can have um what impacts they can have on nutrition and training okay so let's start with nutrition okay Key things to note are progesterone is going to increase hunger, okay? So many women will or might, might feel hungrier the week before your period, okay? And so the advice that I give my clients is to, they have three options, okay? So you always have options, especially the week before your period when hunger is high, okay? Or the week of your period, it just kind of depends person to person, but the three options are that one they increase their calories up to maintenance for that week, and they if they have a fat loss goal, um, they kind of just make that decision that fat loss is just going to go in the back burner so that they can honour like the the feelings of hunger because I don't know about you, but like the week before my periods, um, when I'm feeling hungrier, like that hunger is insatiable hunger, like and sometimes. One of the other options is to increase your your calories by like two to three hundred, and that is just going to factor in the increase in your basal metabolic rate um for having a period. Because you're to to produce um like a menstrual cycle to, to have that bleed, it is an energy expended ex- energy. You basically <laughs> you're using energy for that process to happen. And that energy is about two to three hundred calories a day, all right? So you could increase your calories by two to three hundred. Um, but I know for me and many clients, like two to three hundred literally does not touch the sides. The hunger that you experience is like two to three thousand calories. Um, and sometimes, like, if we are really thinking this realistically, um, two to three hundred calories as like a slice of toast and banana or a couple of slices of toast, it really is nothing in the grand scheme of things. And sometimes for some people, like, that hunger is just too intense. Um, and bringing calories up to maintenance is like, is actually better because overall it just means for the month calories are going to be probably lower than having that week where you're trying to fight hunger for the full time um, and you end up like dramatically overeating whereas if you brought your calories up to maintenance um yes you wouldn't be in a deficit for the week but um overall you'd probably be in a like a better place mentally as well because you wouldn't feel like you were overeating overindulging and then restricting um and the other option as well for some people, so some people might not really notice a big impact in their hunger or it's it's pretty manageable, um, is they don't do anything at all. So this is p- people who have got a fat loss goal, so they don't do anything at all and they can just like push through that hunger because they can, because the, like, it doesn't impact them all that much. Again, it's, right, it's very important to know your own cycle. um. But they can be like, "Hey, what's my period, or it's the week before my period. I know that I'm going to be hungrier, so I'm just going to push through this, and I'm going to be in a bigger deficit because of it. So those are like the kind of three options that I would always give to clients, um, if they like the week before the period, if they are having that hunger, um, but in, and that is because like progesterone, um, is, um, dominant in the luteal phase, and that is like the time before our. Period, okay, the impact that estrogen can have, um, is it has a direct impact on ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone. So, estrogen down regulates it. So, that is why we don't feel as hungry at the start of our like period when estrogen is high, um, or like the kind of first couple of weeks because we have like that estrogen is high and or is dominant in the body okay so and it's down regulating um ghrelin so we don't feel as hungry okay estrogen also has a direct as an impact on a hormone called um, cck which helps tell our bodies when we are full or like satiated so when estrogen is low eg the luteal phase or just before our period um We have an increase in ghrelin, the hunger hormone, and we have a decrease in CCK, so feelings of fullness and satiation. So therefore, for some people, that's why we feel more hungry and we feel less satiated. All right. Um, And this might not just happen again just before our period because like the peaks and dips that happen with like oestrogen and progesterone, they're going to happen at different points, for everyone and like their cycles okay but it's just why it's really important to track that cycle okay so i kind of gave the practical advice about what i would do like in real life so that's the kind of science behind it that's the impacts and the hormones um but what can you do about it um and that's the kind of like so you can either um increase your calories up to maintenance you can increase your calories by about two to three hundred just to um, coincide with that increase in BMR, which is roughly about eight to sixteen percent person to person. Okay, so roughly between like two to three hundred calories. Okay, or you can um keep everything as is. All right, um and can I just keep pushing through with that hunger? That's the choice. That's the kind of impact it has on real life, okay? But sometimes when we know the science behind it and the hormone-related things behind it, it can make it a little bit easier for us to rationalise that when we're going through it. But again, I know some months for me, I'm like, I need all of the chocolate. Um, and other months, I'm like, I can push through it. It kind of just it does depend, okay? The other thing that I wanted to kind of touch on, because I see this all the time in social media, like, should you eat higher fats like in your luteal phase? Lower fat in the flukier phase, like, do you need to do this? Do you need to manage your your nutrition around about this? Okay, personally, this is overcomplicating things and it's unnecessary. Like the evidence doesn't support this. Like there is more evidence required, but the the evidence that we have right now it doesn't support this there's no reason for you to really overcomplicate it and be like I'm in my luteal phase so that we're that there for I can't have carbs I need to have more fats like and then I'm like in my follicular phase like we don't need to think about it like that like so if you are if you are tracking and have a fat loss phase like you can increase your calories by about two to three hundred you can increase the maintenance or you can do nothing if you are not dieting um, or you are not tracking like you can honor your hunger you can honor your preferences if you're craving carbs have some more carbs if you're craving chocolate have some chocolate like honor that hunger um are you going to get it right every single every single month no but then you can learn from it you can find what worked for you and what didn't work like basically that is it when it comes to your period and nutrition like we do not have to overcomplicate things um and I'm, I'm hoping that that actually gives you a little bit of comfort it gave me a lot of comfort when i heard that it's like god i don't have to make this super super complicated when i'm already not in a rational frame of mind like the evidence and the the science for it is it's just it's not there so don't overcomplicate things when you don't have to So what about training? Okay, so here's like a little kind of background about Eastern. So it's anti-catabolic, okay? So it it aids muscle repair. It acts as an antioxidant, which is going to release, um, reduce DOMS. So that's the delayed onset muscle soreness. So if you are starting like a new block or you're new to exercise and you get those excruciating (laughs) muscle pains, like, when Asian is high it is going to help reduce these okay so again if you're looking at like the kind of what it does on paper on paper for some that might mean that they have they, they are able to tolerate a little bit more volume more training volume the like the first so your follicular phase so just before ovulation when estrogen is at its highest maybe that's when you are like that's when instagram is telling you to go to the gym smash it set pbs etc etc like okay um and then when you are in your luteal phase so when uh, progesterone is dominant um there is a slight reduction in insulin sensitivity there's an increase in fat fat oxidation which is why there's probably the the thing about like increasing your fats in your um your luteal phase <laughs> um and um sorry and then there's potentially a decrease a decreased strength mid luteal phase due to that dip. And estrogen so when you are when when the um, luteal phase starts that's when you are like estrogen is peaking and then it's obviously going to dip after that okay but with that dip there also might come a um an impact on your mood so you have lower mood your body image slash confidence might decrease um, there might be a little bit of weight gain so just after ovulation some people might find that they blow or there's a little bit of a, a fluctuation in the scales and all of these things combined might have an impact in your performance in the gym okay so yes it might be th- because of uh, um, like a dip in estrogen but I think coupled with all of these other things that that, that dip in progest- uh, estrogen can have um might also have an impact on like your performance and how you're showing up and how you're feeling in your body and your confidence levels it's not always to do with like it has to do with hormones but it's um like you don't always have to make a lot of changes um and also you might have a find an increase in your temperature which can impact sleep Okay, so I know a lot of people who are going through maybe perimenopause as well, like they're getting those hot flashes, it is impacting their sleep. If you've had a poor night's sleep, you know what it's like the next day when you're trying to push in the gym, you're trying to um, like lift heavier weights, etc. You just don't feel like it, there, there sometimes isn't anything there. Now from a personal point of view, I don't notice an awful lot of difference in my strength levels and um, like my performance in the gym. Throughout my, my cycle, okay, but this is me very personal. Like, and there's there's some months where I'm like I don't feel as strong, um, but it doesn't happen to me every single month. So I don't periodize my training. Like, I'd I, I if I'm having a week when I'm just not really feeling it, I'll still show up. I'll still push. I'll still tick that box. But I'm still going to try and push and do what I can. Um, I'm not like oh, do you know it's my luteal phase, so I'm just going to take it easy for the next two weeks. Um because Instagram told me to do that because see if the thing is if you're doing that like you're going to not make as much progress because you're going to have two weeks on, two weeks off two weeks on, two weeks off, okay um, and that's just not optimal for anything like any sort of fitness goal like you, you can't really have two weeks on, two weeks off and expect to make like an amazing, like amazing progress, okay and the evidence, so it was a meta-analysis in 2020 and it looked at 78 studies And so a meta-analysis is, um, it basically takes like loads and loads of different pieces of research and puts them all together um, to kind of get a broad look at the research and results, okay? So it's one of the the highest quality pieces of research, okay? This meta-analysis identified that the quality of evidence was low, okay? And um, there was a large study variation, all right? So we just don't have like the the evidence there okay i also found that reduced exercise performance was observed in the early follicular phase not during the luteal phase like instagram might tell you okay so these influencers and social media accounts that are telling you to rest up and go easy the week before your period they might not be well informed all right So it's very important, again, for you to track your cycle. So you might be somebody that actually notices a dip in performance the week before. And maybe that's the time where you still go to the gym, but you're not pushing the weight. You're just still ticking that box. Maybe you get excruciating PMS. So maybe the week before your period, it is a case of, I actually just need to do some walking and some yoga. For instance, maybe body confidence and body image is low. So that's why you emphasize yoga a little bit more. But it's not because um like it's it doesn't happen with everybody. So you do not need you do not you do not need to do this. I think that is the the over overwhelming message here is you do not need to do some of the things that like people are telling you to do. You need to track your symptoms and start to tailor what like tailor your diet, your nutrition and your exercise around about what you are suffering with or what the um, symptoms that you're having, okay? And if we also think about like kind of other symptoms of PMS like during the luteal phase, your body temperature increases, you become bloated, you are more hungry or you can be more hungry, you are more tired, okay? So these are going to have an impact on your training as well, all right? So things that you can do from a practical point of view from your training, okay? And again, everybody's going to be different. You could periodize your training, okay? So you could front load train a little bit. So that means that you would um, train like a little bit more, a little bit more intensely, like the first three weeks of your cycle. So maybe instead of doing like three sessions over like four weeks, um, you do like four sessions and then you have like a kind of deload week or an easier week um, and like that um that last week okay other option is you actually include a day load week when suits you best because again everybody's um everybody's cycle is going to be different or like me you just continue as normal and you show up and just you gauge your sessions about how you're feeling that day okay so that's a kind of practical stuff to do around about um like training okay what I want to kind of touch on as well is um, if you are suffering from like quite bad PMS, there are a couple of symptoms that could help. All right. So you have vitex, which is chasteberry, and you would take four hundred milligrams a day on non-bleeding days. Okay. Magnesium citrate, so hundred to two hundred micrograms. Vitamin D, again, vitamin D is something that I would recommend everybody takes, but it can have the research is shown that can have positive impacts on PMS. Um, and vit- vitamin B six. Um, 10 to 20 micrograms okay so that is there are some like symptom um, supplements that m- might help your PMS symptoms and mean that you don't have as big an impact they don't have as big an impact on you and you can show up with like and train like better um, because you don't have these are not holding you back as such the last thing I want to speak about is contraceptive pill, okay? So I know that there's a lot of people um, who are on a contraceptive pill or a, a sort of a, a contraceptive method, all right? Um. So when we are taking oral contraceptives, like we are, or contraceptives in general, we are supplementing with exo- exogenous hormones. That is basically hormones outside of the body, okay? As a result of this, it is going to down-regulate our endo, endo genius, genius. oh my god basically the, the hormones that we are producing in our body it's going to downregulate them okay so again there's a bit of research a meta-analysis, a meta-analysis that showed that there was a small emphasis on small effect on performance in menstruating women who didn't take oral contraceptives so what that might mean is if, like, if you are on the pill then you might not notice as much of a difference in your performance um but like do you know you have to advocate for your own bodies like is that a reason to go on the pill is that a reason to come off the pill like that's a decision that you have to make okay the key point from that meta-analysis was that the current evidence doesn't warrant general guidelines um like on oral contraceptive pills like using them compared with not using them on like exercise performance okay because it was pretty consistent across the cycle there was just a small small effect that we've seen all right and then when a lot of a lot of um people will tell you you'll hear in social media etc like that going on oral contraceptive is going to make you like gain fat okay so it's going to have impact on your body composition the research here was that the effect on your BMR, so your basal metabolic rate, was debatable. Okay, so basically they couldn't find any evidence. The effect that it had on like fuel use, so fats, carbs, like what I was speaking about before, like should you periodize that you um, eat more carbs on your luteal phase, eat more carbs on your follicular phase, that was debated as well. Okay, effects on weight, that was also debated. So they couldn't find any strong evidence to show that people who were taking the pill um, it, it the pill itself caused them to gain weight. Okay, what they did find was that it could manage PMS symptoms. So that might be a for, uh, that might be a reason for people to start taking oral contraceptives if they are getting like debilitating PMS symptoms. Okay, um, and what they also found was that people who take oral contraceptives might not see as much fluctuations, and that is because the you are and the hormones and they are going to down regulate your own natural cycle. Okay, one last thing I'm going to speak about okay is um, body image and PMS. Okay, and that is something that we do have to speak about, it's going to that because that is going to have an impact on your life and how you're showing up. Okay, and there was a piece of re, um, research that showed that people felt their least attractive the week before their period. And then they felt their most attractive when they were ovulating. And that kind of makes sense when we're thinking about like ancestral is that the right word? Like cavemen um, times. So people would, like women would feel their most attractive the week before they were ovulating. Okay, so they'd be the most body confident the week before they were were at the kind of peak ovulation time to like have babies, basically. Okay. Um, So what we can take from this is our body image is going to be impacted by our cycle. We are, there are going to be times of our cycle we are not going to feel as attractive. We're not going to feel as body confident, um, and we do have to take that into account, okay. And we do have to practice, um, like self compassion, okay. Daily gratitude, a little bit of mindfulness, like these are all going to help improve our PMS symptoms and like things like body image as well um throughout our cycle okay and it's not just doing it like doing it like at certain points of our cycle like I think this is something we all have to get into the habit of doing daily okay daily gratitude is really going to help like doing some mindfulness work yoga there's loads and loads of research into yoga and how that can actually improve our body image um, and just like being self-compassionate like not beating yourself up if you have a week where you just don't feel like going to the gym or you eat a little bit more it doesn't make you a bad person um it doesn't mean that you've failed like we have to bring in that self-compassion and know that like you know for some people like there are going to be certain points of our cycle where it is going to feel so so tough but I think that it's really important, like well, one that we are showing ourselves that compassion, um, but two that we um, are doing the things, big pause here, that, that We are doing the things that are going to help improve our PMS symptoms, um, and actually getting in tune with our own bodies, with our own cycles, um, and that way we can be, we can feel empowered to, to make changes and to make decisions. Um, based off how we're feeling, okay, and And then we can choose to, like, not overcomplicate things and we can choose to eat and train in a way that actually works for us and it still moves us forward towards our goals, whatever our goals will be, whether they are a health goal, a fat loss goal, a maintenance goal, a muscle building goal, like a a fitness goal. We can make decisions based off the evidence that we have from tracking our own cycles and what's going to work best for us and how we can best show up um, as our best selves, okay? And what's that going to do? It's going to help you with being consistent, Okay, it's going to help you stick to your diet, your nutrition plan, your workout plan, because we can make little tweaks around about it depending on how you're feeling. Okay, we then become empowered because we actually get to know our own bodies and our triggers and not just what social media or influencers have led us to believe. Okay, and it also means that we can make more rational, informed decisions and we can actually feel in control over these, okay. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not have a rational brain cell in my body the week before my period. I've also, I've like, and but I know this now from tracking my period, and I don't make any sort of big decisions the week before my period because I literally overthink that shit. And, um, yeah, like nine times out of ten, I make the wrong decision or I, I literally catastrophize absolutely everything, call myself a horrible person. Like, again, guys, self compassion, I don't do it myself sometimes. I really have to, like, rein in the week before my period um because the rational thoughts are not there but you have to start tracking your own cycle okay um and getting to to grips with your own triggers so that you can feel empowered guys i hope that helped i hope that it debunked a lot of myths that you've potentially thought about i hope it's it, i hope it's simplified lot of things to do with your menstrual cycle it is not and this is not me saying it's a simple process it is not a simple process it does not feel simple when you're going through your cycle i get that i know that but i'm hoping that this information has made you realize that you don't have to front load deload only do yoga only stretch set prs only eat fats only eat carbs it's it's not it doesn't have to be as complicated as that okay we can make little small tweaks that are going to suit you and it's going to help with you your life your symptoms your goals if anyone's got any questions off the back of this i will be more than happy to answer them you can find me on instagram heather.moffitt.fitness um i hope you enjoyed this guys and i will speak to you all on the next episode thank you so much for listening to this week's episode i really appreciate your time and attention if you enjoyed this episode, then I would be so, 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 so grateful if you shared it with just one person and that's going to help me help as many women as possible. And if you're interested in how I can help you, um, then please get in touch. You can find me on Instagram at fitness, or I'll leave a link to my WhatsApp below.